0: Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to take and go back just a little bit and do the reading so we get the context. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and following. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. and Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You've not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And scourges every son whom He receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward he wanted to inherit the blessing. He was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Heavenly Father, I pray you will fill me with your spirit this morning. I pray you'll speak to us. you be our teacher through your word today, through the Holy Spirit, that you would draw us near. Lord, we're here to worship you. We're here to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just ask this morning, just simply let me be a vessel. Help me be out of the way. But, Lord, you work in me and through me to deliver what you desire for us to hear. And then give us ears to hear, eyes to see Lord, help us to receive this truth this morning. Help us to not only hear this word, but heed it. Help us, Lord, as we go out from here, that we go out different than how we came in. So I pray that this word find fertile soil. Plant your truth in our heart. And Lord, may it truly bring forth fruit. We'll give you the praise, because we ask it in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You recall last week, we unpacked this package and uh, we talked about the love of discipline and we talked about how many of us were chastened as children, uh, spanked as kids. We talked about the three types of discipline, the correctional, the preventative, and we were getting to this one, the educational. And so when we think about this passage of Scripture, it, it, it flows in context to understand it this way. Discipline is good. Discipline is love in action. And we often think of the first as discipline as being corrective um, and, and, and a type of punishment. And that's just one form of discipline. Uh, anybody here other than Pastor Nate uh, likes to work out, actually run somewhere if you're not being chased? Anybody else enjoy exercising? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm in good company. Yeah, there's a few of you that enjoy a little exercise. Hey, that takes discipline, doesn't it? That's not a negative discipline, right? That's a positive discipline. It hurts. It stinks. You know the best part of my workout? When I'm done. The finish. Yeah, he said the shower. huh. <laughs> but yeah, maybe for those around me <laughs> but uh, yeah it, look preventative the, 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 that's, that's the other thing that we find in discipline one is correctional one is in the, in the sense of punishment one is preventative we saw this last week we talked about the apostle Paul and he was given a thorn in the flesh he prayed to remove it God please take this from me three times he asked God said his grace was sufficient And so he did not remove that. Why? Because it was to keep Paul humble. You know, God allows things in our life sometimes to keep us humble. Sometimes he allows things in our life in the form of discipline to prevent us from going down a path, to prevent us from doing something that would bring harm. And so then we talked about the educational for instruction. And again, we we learn this. Uh, You think about the story of Job, as we mentioned last week, and in the story of Job, Job was blameless. No sin. God allowed Satan to do what he did, and then when we get to the end of the story, through all that Job went through, through all the suffering and the pain he experienced, we get to the end of the account, and Job has learned a lot about himself. But most importantly, he has learned a lot about who God is. And guys, sometimes that's what our trials are for. Sometimes our suffering is that we might learn something about ourselves, but more importantly, that we might learn something about who God is and His character. And so these are the three types of discipline. We talked about the parenting last week. We talked about the chastening, and that word in your text was used seven times down through verses uh, 5 through 11. It's the Greek word padeia, and it's where we get the word pediatrics from. And and so the the idea in this is the whole training and education of children which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose, now commands and admonitions, new reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body. Here's the point. It's all-encompassing. And God, as a heavenly father, cares about our whole well-being as his children, just as a father does. Um, Can I get a deacon? You know it's cold when Pastor Jeremy says it's cold. I don't know who sent the igloo out, but if somebody could adjust that a little bit, uh, man, yeah, I'm going to sneeze icicles here in a minute. So... Yeah, that's bad when I say because people that know me here. <laughs> there's a, this is one complaint about this pastor. He keeps it cold in here all the time. I have to bring my blanket. It's true, but more I'm freezing today. Somebody give me one of your afghans back there. We'll cover it up. Whew. I guess I should have preached on hell today. <laughs> I mean, you know. So. Again, the idea is this all-encompassing training, chastening, and this is what we find here. And it goes back again. The great thing about the Hebrew writer, don't lose sight of, the, uh, of what's happening in the text. The Hebrew writer has been going back to the Old Testament because his audience that he's writing to, the letter that they are receiving, these people are Jews. And their struggle is... I feel like we really need to go back into what mom and dad taught us. I feel like we need to stay with the traditions of our people and the nation of Israel. And and that's why he's been using all these chapters to explain the sacrifices and the temple and and, and the tabernacle. And and he's talked about Moses and he's talked about the, the, the line of the priest. and He's been digging deep into the Old Testament and showing and pointing out that all of these things point to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything your forefathers were teaching you. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to the coming Messiah, and that person is Jesus Christ, and He has been revealed in, these, in this time. And so He's pleading with them not to go back into those old dead practices, because those, are, those were simply shadows. And the thing that actually casts the shadow has been seen. How much greater is He? And so this is his whole plea. And so even here we find, again, him pulling from his understanding, the writer from the Old Testament. And he says, and again, I think this is a remembrance back to Deuteronomy. We say, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His way and fear Him. Again, as the Hebrew writer is writing this chapter 12, he's building on that. And so he's continuing to make the case. He not only talked to them about how a parent loves a son, he he also says that this is proof. Proof of sonship. Discipline in your life, believer. Hear me. Discipline in your life, believer, is proof that you're a child of the king. Well, think about it. You're out and about somewhere with your children, and there's some crazy, rowdy little snot-nosed kids running around, and you want to take your belt off, and uh, I'd like to spank that kid, but you don't. It's not your child, right? (laughs) I know none of you have ever thought that. (laughs) I guarantee you, those of you sitting here that don't have children have said, well, if that was my kid, and then you have children, (laughs) and that kind of changes. But anyway, hey, you don't discipline a child that doesn't belong to you. There are a lot of people seemingly in this world living how they want and it seems like the party is here and now. And that is a trap that oftentimes lures the believer. What does it profit a man? Gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul. There is coming a day where every man will give an account to a holy God. And so we need to be mindful that this world is not our home. We are pilgrims on a journey. And this chapter teaches us one very important truth. Endurance. That's why he started at the beginning with a race. It's like running a race. And he gives us someone, if you want to look to someone, look to the author and finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ. Consider him. Consider how he suffered. Consider how he was... Striving against sin. Guys, we got to strive against sin. We have to strive against sin. He started off by saying, let us run the race with endurance. Laying aside, putting off those sins that so easily entangle us. You know what entangles you. Think about that word entangled. I mean, it's like this, I picture this, just like this vine creeping up all around my, my, my legs and, and, and hindering me or something. And, and that's the way sin is in your life and in my life. It sort of creeps in, right? It, 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 Satan doesn't often come at us in the red suit and the pitchfork. It's, it's oftentimes He comes at us in ways that actually appeal to us. In fact, James tells us that we are enticed and drawn away with that temptation because of what's in our own heart. And so what tempts you may not tempt me. But you know you. You know your weak spots. You know your areas of temptation. And we must be on guard. And the Scripture says we got to lay those things off. We, got to, we didn't cast that off. If we're going to run the race for God, we need endurance, but we got to be willing to lay those things aside. So what are your hindrances this morning? What's holding you back from really competing in this race? And for those people in that day, no doubt, it was the fact that they were... they they weren't sure about, should I hold on to these traditions? Those fence straddlers that were kind of one foot in and one foot out and they were kind of being pulled back and forth. And that's just like you and me oftentimes in the world. One foot in the world and one foot in the church. And we kind of teeter back and forth. And and, and the writer is saying, look, you better choose this day whom you're going to serve. Don't be like the Israelites who got to the promised land and shrunk back. Don't get so far in the race that you you get to a point and you say, okay, I give up. Grief and discouragement takes you under. So he says, look, discipline is also a proof. It it, it gives us the comparison between son versus sinner. We talked about the divine punishment versus divine correction, and we shouldn't confuse the two. Um, If you want to hear on that, you can go back and listen to last week's sermon. He talked about remembering in verses 5 and 6, and he takes their attention and turns it back to the Word. Guys, you want to know how to endure the race? You want to know how to finish well? We've got to turn our attention back to the Word of God. That's where we find our encouragement. That's where we find our strength. The authority of Scripture is everything to life in our faith. If you want to know how to live a godly life in this world... It's going to come from the authority of God's Word. And so the, the Word of God must be priority in our life. You know, Maybe, maybe one of the, the sins that we lay aside that's so easily tripping us uh, is, is the practice or the lack thereof, the lack of discipline in our life in studying the Scriptures. And look, I realize you may be here this morning and the only time you read your Bible is on Sunday. Right now during this time. I want to encourage you, if that's you, Prayerfully seek the God. Start with prayer before the Lord and ask Him to give you a hunger for His Word. Give you an appetite for His Word. And then put feet to that prayer and just begin to read His Scripture. I don't recommend starting in Leviticus. If you need to start, start maybe over in 1 John or, or, go- or the Gospel, one of the New Testament books. But start somewhere. And begin to ask God to open your heart and open your eyes to understand, but to really create a, an appetite for his truth. Remember the word. He said, my son, and again, we find this here again in Hebrews. What's the writer doing? Once again, he's pulling from the Old Testament. You think he really wants to reach these Jewish people? Absolutely. He draws from the Old Testament again. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Interesting word, that word, detest. Do not detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Same word again used there in the Hebrew text. The idea of detesting is don't take it lightly. We kind of take it lightly, don't we? in our lives today. We'll go through a trial. We'll go through suffering. We'll go through an experience in our own life. I mean, maybe something small. And not once think about, I wonder what God's wanting me to learn in this. Guys, do not waste a trial, a tribulation, an opportunity to ask that question. God, what do you want me to learn from this? Well, maybe sweep your driveway so you don't get a nail and your turn and you get a flat. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, the point is you need to, we need to, right? We need to take pause. Because a lot of times God is either bringing correction into our life because we're in sin. And if that's the case, we better confess it. We better repent of it. We better lay it down. It could be, and again, I think the sin that's mentioned there is the sin of unbelief. And I think that's part of the problem that people were struggling with. They they weren't really believing Jesus was the way. They weren't quite convinced yet. They weren't real believers. But even as believers, sometimes we doubt His Word. And so maybe that is coming into our life, and and the sin we really need to, to confess is that of doubt. Lost power, man. Chick. So maybe that's the case. Maybe again, it's happening the circumstances in your life, in my life, because God loves us enough to prevent something. And maybe it's the education. I got to learn something in this. So, so don't waste a trial. Ask that, think about that. So again, he continues on. And the point of this is endure. Endure. Continue. I know some of you are going through some mess right now. Endure. Think about what he, what he said in the text. He said, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. That's a good thing. Woo! Anyway. But if you're without chastening, he says you're illegitimate. You're not a son at all. It should be very scary. Now, I don't think you should go out and test that. I'm not saying, you know, well, I think I'll go sin and see if God spanks me. <laughs> You'd be very careful with that one. You know, it could be the difference between life and death. Let's go to the Old Testament again. Again, here, once we find it again in the Scriptures... Go to Deuteronomy 21. Let's go to old Dute. Let's go see old Deut. Y'all know Deut? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21. And let's look in verses 18 through 33. Check this out. This is Old Testament, right? This is the old nation of Israel. Under the Mosaic law, listen to this. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn... And rebellious, he will not obey our voice, he is a glutton and a drunkard, then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now let me stop right there for a second. Kids, y'all thought y'all had severe punishment. You better read that one. Guys, in our mindset today, we read that and we think, "Ah, And the liberal world will throw these kind of passages at you and try to demonize your God and look, look, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. We do not understand God in His richness, in His holiness, in His purity. Passages like this should remind us of how terrible and wicked sin is. And if there's any sin that should be at the forefront, it is that of rebellion and stubbornness. That's what got us in this whole thing, right? This was an Old Testament practice. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you think this probably had to happen before the message was clear? i got to think, it might have only happened, I would hope, a few times. But I bet you what probably happened was the people of God began to loosen their practice. They became less disciplined in this. And a little leaven, leavened the whole lump. Isn't that the way it works? I don't know about you, but in my house, I'm just going to be honest and transparent, this is how it works in my house. We go through seasons, you know, ups and downs in our life with the, with the whole discipline thing. There are some times, man, we're on our game, you know. All right, kids, new rule in the house. We're going to ask you to clean your room one time. Once we ask one time, if it's not done when we come back, then discipline. Not up for discussion. That's the season when we're on our game. And so we'll say, hey kids, need to get the room cleaned up. Come back, room's clean. Woo That is a rarity. Okay, that's like one of the blood moons. It only shows up once in a while. Just a (laughs) joke there. What normally happens in the Varner house, again, being transparent, kids, I need to clean your room. This room ain't cleaned yet. I told y'all to pick up this mess. We need to get this mess cleaned up. We gotta go. Why have y'all not picked this mess up yet? Mom, deal with your children. (laughs) Mom comes down there and wags her finger at them, and she comes back and she says, you're going to have to go in there and straighten them out. (laughs) Sound familiar? Maybe y'all have lived this story. But isn't it strange? They They will respond with what we give them. When we were tight in our discipline, it happened. When we were loose in our discipline, they know they can get away with it. James Dobson talks about there's this siren in our voice, and they know it. Your children know the siren. Those first ones are just false alarm. But when you hit the one that, they, that where you mean business, oh, they hear that siren. Yes, sir, we got it. And I think what happened is God put the siren in the beginning so there would be this strong emphasis and in a time period in history when those people had experienced the deliverance of God in amazing miracle fashion and the leading out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea and just the the hand of God in amazement. And they, they are given these instructions? Aye, aye, Captain, yes, sir. And so they were on their game. And somewhere along the way, Unbelief, doubt, not really taking God at His word. It's not that big a deal. And eventually, you have the nation of Israel in captivity and all kinds of problems, all kinds of mess. Is it any wonder that in America today, there's anarchy and chaos and safe spaces? So we're instructed here. By the way, New Testament point. This is why church discipline is a part of the Scriptures in the New Testament. This is why there is, and it is important... That we hold each other accountable. This is why it is important that just like they would take the guy out to the city gates to the elders and that there would be that stoning. This is why it's told to the church and if they don't hear the church, they're put out. It's the same practice, guys. Don't be confused. The same holy God of the Old Testament is the same holy God of the New Testament. And He takes this stuff serious. And it's not because He hates us, it's because He loves us. And He loves His bride. And he desires to keep her pure. He's more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. We as Americans just don't get it. We're all about happiness, it's all about me. It's all about. Me being content. It's all about me being satisfied. Well, I can't tell you how many times in counseling I hear somebody say, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? I had a lady once tell me this. Not from around here, from somewhere else. She had an affair on her husband. And her pastor, her pastor, she... That She told her God wants her to be happy and that it was okay if she left her husband in that situation and demonized her husband. And my response to that lady was biblical. God's more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. Needless to say, they never come back for counseling, but... Not a surprise. Guys, we don't don't want to hear the hard truths, but the hard truth is God is more concerned with our holiness. It's not about doing. It's done. Please get that in your mind. This is not a legalistic message. It is done. Jesus paid it in full on the cross at Calvary. It is finished. But that's not a license to sin. Scripture warns us about that. And that is definitely something, we talked about this on Wednesday night, that's crept into the church as a whole. But we are in a process. We are in a journey. None of us have arrived. Your pastor is being disciplined just as you are being disciplined. We are in an educational process as followers of Christ because we're children of the King. And He desires to chip away at us. And and somebody's at mile one on the race, somebody else is at mile four, and somebody else is at mile ten, and somebody else is at my last leg no matter where you are in that journey, no matter where you are in that race, the encouragement in this passage is endure to the end. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. For that example. And so, we come to the final point, point three. <laughs> Look what time it is. All right. And so let's close this out. Verses 9 through 11. You'll see here in the text. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be protectors of his holiness. See, that's the point. That's the purpose of the, the discipline. That's how it profits us. that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So what does this say? Well, we see some things that are for our profit. Number one, and I know it's hard to see that respect, Discipline teaches us respect. Just like you respected your father when he disciplined you. And again, I told you this last week, I knew my dad loved me when he disciplined me. Now listen, some dads discipline wrong. Do not let the imperfection of a father be a reflection of the perfection of the father. Do you understand what I'm saying there? A lot of us have had bad examples in parents. They didn't discipline. There's a difference between a loving father who disciplines to correct there's another where they abuse and that's not not what we're speaking of and you know the difference but our heavenly father disciplines out of love and it's for our profit it's that we might respect him look the beginning of the, the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom the reverence to god that reverential fear, that's where wisdom starts. That's where it starts. And so if you, if you desire to be wiser in, in this life and wiser in your way, then, then we need to start there. I need to ask God to give me a, a fresh sense of awareness, a fresh sense of reverence to His holiness, to His goodness, to His grace, to His mercy, to His very character. God help us to have that. And, and, and that brings life. God's desire in this is that we would experience life, and specifically in the audience he was writing to, eternal life, because they were teetering to go back into Judaism or follow after Jesus Christ and and, and receive the promise of the new covenant. That would bring life, life eternal. That's great profit, Holiness, he said in verse 10. And again, that's his desire that we might be conformed more and more to the image of his son. Righteousness. These are all things of profit, guys. This will profit our life. This will profit our testimony. This will profit our church. This is the life of abundance Christ promises us. That is great profit. It's training. And if we allow God to train us in these moments, and we we will learn, we will grow. It produces great fruit afterward it yields the peaceable get that word peaceable fruit of righteousness many believers are deeply grieved because they do not at once feel that they have been profited by their afflictions well you do not expect to see apples or plums on a tree which you've planted but a week. Only little children put their seeds into the flower garden and then expect to see them grow into plants in an hour. Spurgeon. Guys, I don't know what you're dealing with in your life. I don't know what discipline you are under. But I know this. Don't expect the results right now. This race is a race of endurance. And so I want to encourage you this morning, persevere in the race that you're running, fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. Let us draw nearer to Him. He will draw nearer to you. Let us lay aside those things, and let's run this race, and let's run it well. Let's be trained by what God is doing in our circumstances and begin to ask afresh, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me? What do you want me to learn through this? And let's be trained by that. And it's going to bring forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's a great thing. And it's something God desires to do in us and through us. So in conclusion, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't take it lightly. Don't let it just come and go. Missing the whole point. Let God work in your circumstances in life. It is to grow us into the image of His Son. It's part of parenting, right? From God's perspective as our Heavenly Father, as children of God, it's part of His responsibility, just as it is yours to your children. It's proof you're a child of the King. It's profit to you in sanctification. Three types of discipline. Correctional sin preventative from sin, educational. And we'll talk, Lord willing, about a fourth next time that also was found in this passage of Scripture, and that's anticipation. There's a purpose in this. There's a purpose in what God's doing, and it should create within our heart an anticipation because even Jesus endured the suffering of the cross and the shame He endured it. Why? For the joy set before Him. We too have a joy set before us. And it doesn't come until we cross that finish line. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I know we didn't necessarily get into some new content so much. But that's okay. Uh, Lord, I recognize sometimes we need to kind of camp out on a subject to... Allow the Spirit of God to really work in our hearts and our lives. And I pray that's the case here, Lord. I don't know what's going on in the lives of the listeners, but you do. Lord, my prayer is simply this. For everyone here listening at Community Baptist Church, for anyone listening, looking uh, through the, the Roku channel or via our podcast, this is my prayer to you, Lord. And we will let you have your way in us. And that we will hear and heed what you desire to do in our life. That we'll let discipline have its way. We'll be trained by it. And that we'll continue to endure this race set before us for the joy that's set before us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your goodness, and for who you are. And thank you most importantly. For your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this world to pay the sin debt that we could not pay. Thank you for taking that punishment upon yourself, Christ. Thank you for the death, the burial, but most importantly, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's to him we look to today. Amen.